We're continuing where we left off. Um, it is March 31st, 2019, and we're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer. All right, here is the thought of the week. In addition, <coughs> are not generated by us. They are directly generated by God through us. Works should be pleasing to the one who designed them, and that is the Father. The Father has a plan from eternity past. Some are chosen to participate in this plan, and there are roles and responsibilities placed upon them. All those whom the Father calls do not have the same purpose and responsibility. For instance, the purpose God calls Israel is different from the purpose for the church. Therefore, what works are required or dependent on your calling. A general contractor may employ many in his goal of building a house. The carpenter and the mason are both employed but have different roles and responsibilities. Further, the electrician has a certain responsibility and is only brought on the job when the time is right and things are ready. So it is with God's plan. The dispensational approach speaks of God carrying out his plan and progressively working in each age to accomplish his eternal plan. This particular age is said to be a mystery dispensation. You can read about it in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. It is not hidden anymore, but it was previously. Those who will live in the house being built are the ones being called out of the human race now. We must keep in mind the Father dictates what works are accomplished and in which dispensation we are living. The only way we can know what works please the Father will be to understand what the Father is doing currently and work according to the purpose and provisions prepared for us. The special calling we have demands special work. Of course, God reserves the right to be the final authority to judge our works. For we, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. From 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, which we'll be studying today. I guess we have to keep in mind, though, that the work we're talking about is exclusive to those who are saved and who are in the church age. So one aspect of the gospel of salvation, which is a simple gospel, is um, in talking about our growth after salvation is where we talk about the good work. There's emphasis placed on doing good work, including that phrase that we just read. And also, the phrase that you might be familiar with, faith without works is dead. Those refer to works after salvation. So what work do we need to do before salvation or to get saved? None. Nothing. Not a thing. Zero. Zippo. However you want to say it. God, through Christ, has already completed all the work required for our salvation. It is done. It is finished. In fact, you cannot add one iota to it. You are saved 
by the grace of God, as a gift. It wouldn't be a gift if you worked for it, would it? Understanding this principle, this solid fact, results in rest. The burden is lifted from our shoulders to try harder or show greater faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Sounds unbelievably simple, doesn't it? It is. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that's the thought of the week. And Bill will be introducing our prayer. All right. Thank you, Dwight. At this time, is there anyone who to uh, bring forth anyone that might stand in the need of prayer? As I always say, pray for me as I pray for others. Same here, pray for me. And also, there is one particular individual, um, a friend of mine that I'm thinking of, that who is not saved currently, and um, he is actually slowly coming to um, be accepting, and I hope he is led to, to believe. Okay. All right, at this time, we'll have prayer. We're going to bow our heads. Dear Lord, we come before you once again, our Father, asking that you hear us even now. We pray for the Word is Truth Christian Church. We pray for our pastor, the Lord. We pray that you heal uh, him of the elements that is him at this moment. We pray not just for him alone, but also for his family. Father God, we have special prayer for Dwight's friend who stands in the need of your saving grace, O oh Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit will give him the function to understand and to see the wonderful gift that you have in store for this individual. And Lord, we pray for all of the words of the church and that they come to the understanding that through your grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through diligent searching the Word of God, that they too can grow up and be mature. Lord, we ask all this and all your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Amen. <clears throat> Appreciate that, Dwight, as well. And uh, we're going to move right into where we are this week. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And hopefully you have your notes. When we reach the place where we will be, where we will give an account of ourselves to, should be our Lord, we will most certainly realize how important was the time we had on the battlefield. Of course, some already know that each hour, day, and year we have in the world is on display and being chronicled. Just as surely as we are alive, we will stand this judgment. No misconceptions, no distortions, but we will have a clear record for the eternal future of what we did or did not do. Remember, our Lord was judged for every sin we would ever commit. So sin is not the issue here. The issue, the issue is about our contribution to the eternal plan. To be in such a pivotal role, 
we have an obligation to represent our Lord. Allow God's eternal purpose here. Define, allow God's eternal purpose here to define your motivation. So this thought of the judgment seat sounds ominous. It sounds like it could be disaster for us. And I, whenever we think of judgment, we always, for some reason, that comes to mind. You know, some people are very tense when it comes to uh, the fact that we will be evaluated at some point. And whether it be school, testing, you know, it's, we've studied, you know, the teacher taught. And then all of a sudden it's time for a test. People get nervous. Like, oh boy, the, the big test. And it seems that life is like that. We're always worried about what our evaluation is. Do others think our contributions are what they really are? Will we fall short of expectations and be disqualified in some way? And this is really a lot about human life because we think about life on a reward basis. Everything we, we do, we do as a reward. You know, maybe someone will be pleased. Maybe they will give me something. <coughs> and often the answer is not really about us getting the right answer. In this pursuit, the, the answer is that we please him. That is our goal. So that's the first point that we want to, to talk about. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, scriptures about the judgment seat of Christ that um, could be brought in here. And I think I tried to include a lot of them here just so we could make sure we have the background. But there are some scriptures that I did not talk about. There are things in, about the judgment that I may not have covered. So I don't want this to be like the final word on it. I hope everybody thinks of it that way. That this is the beginning. We can talk more about it. I think the more we talk about it, the more we understand it. And I don't think it's something we want to rush past either. So we'll, we'll go through <clears throat> some of the thoughts in this. And I'll, I'll try to reflect on some of the thoughts I have as this verse hits me, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, first point is we make it our goal to please Him. So this is where it comes from, which will result in eternal rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Now go to 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, and I'm going to turn there. I know you know what the verses are, but sometimes there's that one word in the verse that we didn't really pay attention to that now sticks out as a result of reading this verse. So we make it our goal to please Him. This verse is in the context of what we have been studying. Don't pull off your 
book on the shelf on the judgment seat of Christ and now look at all the scriptures. Look at the context of the letter that we've covered up to this point. Let that be your guide and how you think about what Paul wants you to know about this particular verse. That's why I didn't include everything. Okay, judgment seat of Christ. Let's go through all the scriptures in the Bible that talk about judgment. You know, I didn't do that. I tried to keep with the thought, although there needs to be some backfill to make sure that we're on the same plane, uh, foundation. So in 1 Corinthians 9 and... 25 through 27. So it says, this is interesting, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So that one distinction right there is interesting to note because we're talking about something that will be eternal as opposed to temporary. Well, that's like our the tent we live in is temporary. It's not permanent. Right? The, where we are in life right now could be said to be a proving ground, a testing ground. See where we're, what we're going to do or where we're going to be uh, whether we'll be have eternal life and stay with God forever or whether we will not whether we will receive rewards for service or not and it depends on what we do here so it says everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training not everyone competes in the games but everyone who does goes into strict training they do it to get a crown. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on crowns and what that means and give you Roman analogies to how uh, it was interpreted in the time in which it was written and all of that. I think we've covered that in many past uh, times we've been together. And, and plus you have good knowledge of that. But what I want to focus on is the forever part. And then, in this verse, 25, it's permanent. It's something that will affect your eternal destiny. So you, it, it, once you get to heaven and, and whatever happens after your home, and uh, your rewards here will make a difference. And you won't receive them, obviously, until you get to the judgment seat of Christ. That's when he will evaluate, and then he will uh, dispense the rewards that uh, were earned. And notice, they are earned. It is not, it's not a matter of grace. Now, you could say in one way it's grace, but you have something to do with it. You have works to perform. Now, even though the works are not necessarily generated by us, as I, I was trying to say in the thought of the week, it is through us. It is with our cooperation. 
that works are done. For instance, the fruit. It didn't say we are the root and the tree and the branches and the fruit. It says that we are the branches. Christ is the root. Right? He's the tree. We are just the branches. And then on the branches, fruit is born. So it didn't say we are the fruit. So, so it is through us that God is bringing about works. It's not our works. It is our cooperation. And it talks about that the branch must abide in the vine in order for it to bear fruit. If it does not abide in the vine, it will not bear fruit. That will not be the result. So there is something to be said about our motivation, for sure. The strict training. So you would think about it. The strict training is not just for the analogy of how the Olympiads and the Corinthian games and all the different games and how the athletes had to go into strict training to make sure that they were not disqualified, that they were found to be violating the training requirements or regiments, they could be disqualified and not able to run. There were rules. And they went, <clears throat> it was sort of like being sequestered into this strict training regiment. <clears throat> so they do it to get a crown. But we do it. Do what? What do we do? We go into strict training. There is something to be said. So many people will look at this analogy and say, yeah, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They're talking about the games. That's all they're talking about. No, they're talking about what we do as well when it comes to executing our spiritual lives. Now, just be, to be clear, if you don't know what your spiritual life is, if you don't know what the Father's eternal purpose is, you cannot execute it. You, there's no way. Because eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God's eternal purpose is. So don't think you know it. So there is a learning phase where we have to understand what our responsibility is. You can't just assume that you know it. You need to take that time. You need to make sure you distinguish the information that God is, is giving us here that he has revealed with what is already out there and what people are already thinking, what is general knowledge. So it's not just being good, to, to put it bluntly. It's not just being a goody two-shoes that will, it means to go, or, or following what you consider to be good. It is according to our calling, as Dwight was saying earlier, and our unique calling, exclusive calling. And they do it to get a crown. And look at all they do to get that crown that is temporary. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We're not just getting it from some government or magistrate that's here on earth. We're getting it from the Father, the eternal Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 26, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. 
Again, you have to know what the plan is. We talked a lot about it here. But that is essential. So it's almost like finding out what best pleases the Lord. If you don't know what pleases Him, you certainly can't do it. That was last week. You certainly are not going to satisfy what... You don't think you're just going to... That your standards are the same as His standards. Your plan is the same as His plan. So therefore, no matter how I feel, I can... I'll be okay as long as I feel that I'm doing what's right by me. No, you, you have to look aside from yourself and your opinions. You have to defer to what the Father's plan is. And trust me, the Father's plan is not our plan. Not the same. It can be if we learn the Father's plan and if we submit to it. Father's plan. Yeah, it can be ours. We can come to love the Father's plan. There's no doubt about it. But don't make false assumptions, right? So don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. It also looks ridiculous. Running aimlessly, right? You ever see the person run off the track and he keeps running or off the football field like he's or he's going the wrong way it's a good example right he, he's running but he's going the wrong way or fighting making a good show but he's not hitting not scoring any points beating the air does not score points so he says in verse 27 no in other words, I don't do those things. I strike, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So here we are. This verse is key. It's about discipline here. So when we said, <clears throat> when we said, I said earlier in the uh, opening that it is not about sin. Remember, our Lord was judged for every sin we would ever commit. So sin is not the issue here. It's true. It's not. However, I must say this. Sin will not cause you to lose your salvation because every sin has been judged in Christ. That God is propitiated by the work of Christ on your behalf. Nothing can reverse that, ever. But this is not about that. This is about the crown, the prize, the rewards, right? It's not about salvation. Salvation is not a prize to be gained, to be earned. It is a gift that can only be received. And God does know the difference between a gift and a reward. If you didn't know, read Romans 4. The first few verses there, it tells you. He does know the difference. In fact, we, that's an insult to God to even say that. If anything, do we know the difference between a gift and a reward? For sure, God knows it. He's one who created us. Do we know the difference between a gift and a reward? And if we don't, we should go to Romans 4, 3, 3 and 4 and read about it. 
So, so there is a lack of discipline that you can have that can cause you to miss out on your rewards. And that lack of discipline can have uh, effects from sin or results from living or giving in to a sinful lifestyle. Absolutely. You can miss out. Now, give, we're all born in sin, shaping in iniquity. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, of all of that. That's where we came from. But in this case, we now have opportunity once we know God's plan we understand what he what his will is what his calling is what what he wants us to do while we're here it's about executing it sin can get in the way of that each of us has to answer to God for our motivation sin can dull your motivation it can blunt your your ambition to fulfill God's purposes. So, is sin an issue? No, I mean, you're never going to lose your salvation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But when it comes to this, Paul says, I, I have to keep my body under control and make it my slave. I have to be in control of my body so that after I have preached to others, I myself might will not be disqualified for the prize. Again, he's not disqualified for salvation. He would be disqualified for rewards. And God knows the difference. <laughs> I already said that. <laughs> we know we should know the difference. So that's the first point here to think about. Yeah. We make it our goal to please him. So once, how do we know whether we pleased him or not? Will we go into eternity thinking, yeah, I, I probably did please him. I'm sure I did the best I could. I worked hard. God, you know my heart. You know I'm good. You know I've, I care about your people. I care about you. God is saying, you know what? Let's see if you really do care. And what, where that can be measured is in your humility toward me. Do you listen to me, God is saying? Are you hearing me? Are, am I t I'm telling you what I want. I'm telling you what pleases me. I'm telling you my heart. And if you don't care, if you don't see that that's important, then there will be no rewards for you. God does reward those who diligently. And I think in that diligently, it's not just I want to know that God is over there, but I want his will to be my will. I want his standards to be mine. I want his righteousness to be mine. I want his plan, his ultimate purposes to be mine as well. Not just saying, oh, I'm seeking God. I want to know the facts. I, so if I get on Jeopardy, I can answer all the biblical questions. I need to know God for me so that I can be transformed into his image and then into his likeness. So it's more than that. 
So point B, our Lord Jesus Christ is the one to whom we report. Right? Notice, it is the judgment seat of Christ. And from this point, I can say, God understands what we're going through down here. We can't, we can't cop a plea and say, well, God, you know, you're way up in heaven, and are you evaluating me? All right, I get that. But you know what? We had it tough down here. You know, those Jews, those Romans, those this ones, those Gentiles were after us. And you, yeah, you told us to do it. We did our best, God. Can't take that away from us, right? We got to get credit for that. No, God is saying, I do understand what you're going through. I, I, my son, he entered into time and space as a human being. He was born in this world. Yes, the world did hate him. And he said it. If it hated me, it's going to hate you. I, I understand your experience. I get it. So you have to know. When it's the, it didn't say the judgment seat of the Father. It says the judgment seat of Christ. Not only does Christ understand our sojourn here on the earth. He walked in our, he overcame, he conquered, he obeyed the Father in every respect. So he knows what it is. And so what the Father didn't say, okay, we're going to make the standard of conduct as a believer the lowest common denominator. Nope, he made the standard Christ. And what is it that we are working to, to, to grow into? To fullness and stature of Christ. Not who feels that they have done the best they could. Or that they have done some, uh, some job that, and then they don't feel that God is recognizing them. We are growing to the fullness and stature of Christ. That is the standard. So, when I say this in point B, it is important to note that is who we'll be looking at. We won't be able to say, yeah, but uh, no, you're looking at the one who came and was born in this world, sacrificed his life, went to the cross, bore your sins, every one of them, and was resurrected. And now is at the right hand of God interceding for you with all the assets that he had, which is the power of the Holy Spirit the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all the different attributes and assets that he had are now given to us. I get it. Some people will, some people will not. I think somebody said that earlier, probably Dave. Some people will, some people will not accept this responsibility and they will, uh, will or will not be rewarded accordingly as a consequence. But it won't be because we didn't, we weren't equipped. But it will take something from us. And it will take something from us exactly what it took from our Lord. The will. I like what Christ said. He says, love God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. That's, imp that's the importance of it all. Then he says, in addition to that, love your neighbor as yourself. Primarily, loving God is first. Now you're situated. Now your feet are planted on the ground. Now you're going in the right direction. Now, in your path, and wherever you go, you're going to be a witness to God as well. A witness for him. So it's important. That's, who, that's to whom we report when we get there to the judgment seat of Christ. We will stand. We will appear. That's interesting when it talks about if you've been ever been summoned or uh, to appear in court, how official that is. And some people, I mean, a summon, a summons to appear in court, or or if you have jury duty or something like that, those are things you don't just look at the oh, that's junk mail. Let me throw that in the garbage. I'm not going. I don't care about that. I got other things I'm doing. No, you are summoned to appear in court. And you can throw it away, yes, but there's going to be consequences. And eventually, they can catch up with you. They could throw you in jail for contempt if they want to pursue that. It is an official summons for you. And we are summoned to, be, to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And this is in front of all the holy angels, in front of the Father, in the presence of all the holy angels. We, never, never mind some court of some authority here on earth, corrupt earth, before some judge. But we're talking about a righteous judge of the universe. We're talking about God, the Father, and we have to stand before him and not just be there as a, uh, a participant, but we have to be to give, to actually give an account of our lives. We have to report. So it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody who, when you look in his eyes, you know that he understands your path. You know he knows all your weaknesses. He paid for every sin and infraction you have ever committed. Every trespass. None of those things will be brought up at the judgment seat of Christ. None of them. But he knows them all. He understands them. But what will be brought up is not what you didn't do about your sins and did you stop sinning less or more. That won't be brought up. What will be brought up is what did you do or not do according to your calling. That's the subject. So the ominous thunder and uh, lightning and all of that is not the point of the judgment seat of Christ. 
even though you have this stage and you have all the holy angels and all of that, it's, it is ominous in another regard. Did you avail yourself of the wonders of the, of the heart of the Father and his magnificent, manifold plan? Did you take time to honor your Lord for, for what he has done? and sacrificing himself for you? Did you recognize the privilege that you have, the opportunity that you've been given to serve on the battlefield for the Father's purposes in this most greatest of dispensations, the fullness of times? And you will have that opportunity say whether you did or did not. Again, there will be no misconceptions when it comes to the eternal state. None. All things will be laid bare. Some people will experience shame because they will not have done what God has required of them. It speaks of their motivation while they were on the earth. I'm sure they know better now. That's why they're ashamed. Because they know better. But their life on earth, now that remains, it was what it was. They will not be proud of it. It will not be something you will walk away with. Yeah, no. You will recognize that it was not worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ whom you stand in front of. So point C. No exceptions. All. When we say all, we have to understand all means in this context all who are in the church. We're talking about the body of Christ, the Lord. Is not all people from all walks of life, of all dispensations. He's only talking about. Now, it's not, it's true that other people will also stand before a judgment to determine whether or not they were <coughs> faithful to the calling <coughs> that they received. But this is a, with reference to our unique and special group and our unique and special calling. But no exceptions all. Let's look at a couple verses. And we're in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 4. <clears throat> Chapter 4, verse 5. Um, so let's go to 4.4. 4. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore... Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So notice it is kind of telling. It is raw. It is naked. It is... There's no hiding. Your performance will be what it is. And if it was, as we're getting into 
and I, I think under our next phrase where we talk about the differences between uh, things done while in the body, whether good or bad, we, where we break down what is good and what is bad. But we're not there yet. But the implications here are to say that some things will be bad and we're going to have to talk about the bad. Mostly, the bad is going to be when we are led away by our temptations and we don't only, only produce evil or, or sins, we also produce evil works. So those works have to be judged. We said all sins were judged. We did not say all works were judged. So that's why works will be judged. Everything that comes from the sin nature. In fact, the whole sin nature has to be judged. And whatever decisions were made under the influence of that sin nature will also have to be judged. None of this affects our salvation because salvation is not by works. I must keep saying that, I guess, because some people will always uh, gravitate to that. But we, we want to make sure we know it's works. Even when you go to the last great white throne judgment, they are judged according to their works, not sins. But their sins are already judged. We already know that. So now, what are they judged for? Their works. So when their works are judged... And God looks at their works and sees the source of their works, which is the motivation from their sin nature. He rejects them. And because they don't have the righteousness of Christ, they're the only human representative in heaven for us is Christ. That's it. And they don't have his righteousness. They are thrown into the lake of fire. And what about us? We stand before the judgment seat of Christ, which it's not about whether we go to Lake of Fire or not. All of those who stand before the judgment seat of Christ are going to, are already saved. They have the righteousness of Christ. So now the only thing left is to, the judgment of those works that they have done while in the body. So, God will judge them accordingly. Those who should receive praise, rewards, will get them. Those who should not, will not. But like it says in 1 Corinthians 3, they will be saved, yet so as by fire. They will have to go through the fire. What's the fire represent? Judgment. The scrutiny of God's righteousness. On their works. When, when, when that is scrutinized. Using the magnifying glass of God's righteousness. Then nothing will get through that is not righteous. For sure. No doubt about it. So there are no exceptions. Every one of us. Ministers, yes. 1 Corinthians 3 primarily is talking about ministers. Everyone else, yes. Every single person that's in the church, whether they lived or, or they're alive 
at, at the present time or whether they have already died and are in the Lord in heaven, in heavenly places, like it says in our earlier verse. In, in 2 Corinthians, it says, if this body, this tent we live in is destroyed, we have a home, an eternal house in the heavens, right? We, we have that. And, every, and then there are some who are still on earth. But everyone who is in this age, in this church age, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We'll have an opportunity to have our say. To realize what was done while in the body. I could, like it says here, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. So other people might think you you are this or that or deserved this or that. But God will know and he will expose the motives of the heart. There it is. If you could underline something, that would be an underline right there will expose the motives of the heart. We talked a lot about motive in the Q&A session today. And there it is, right there. When will it happen at that time? You can't know what's in my heart. I don't care how well I present myself to you. I could be hiding things. There could be darkness in my motivation. You don't know. Even though, like Paul's saying, my, my conscience is clear. I... I it's in my heart. I, I'm. It's clear. But you don't know that. Judge nothing before the time, the appointed time. What appointed time is that? When judgment, then when this time we're talking about, for we must all appear for the judgment seat of Christ. At that time, I'm not telling you, you, can, you can't see my heart, but God can. I could be preaching to you and myself be disqualified. For the prize. I might have been fooling you, but I won't be fooling God when it comes to this. No doubt about it. Might as well be honest with God. If you if you are rewarded, does it be because you, you did have the right proper attitude? You did go into strict training. You did keep your body under control. If you don't, it will mean that you don't. Either way, your salvation is not affected, but there are eternal rewards, eternal consequences, opportunities that have been missed by you. Not temporal. Not just, well, you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you get to parade around or, or something. No, I'm talking about eternal consequences that will last forever you are afforded these opportunities and they will be squandered so these are things that are very important we must appear so point D is that's what we we must appear and why must we appear so that and then I'm quoting from the next phrase it's pretty obvious I could ask the question, why must we appear? Why must we appear? Why do we have to be there? So that each of us may receive what is due us. So what's due us could be rewards. It could also be a reckoning. It could also be a final accounting, as we're going to get to later. And I see as a point F. 
That's do us. Right? That has to be said of us. Who, what we really are. No misconceptions when it comes to who we are as we go into the eternal state. So, this is important. We must appear. So point E, let's move forward. Salvation is by grace. We're not getting that far in this in our outline here. Salvation is by grace through faith. That's Ephesians 2.8. 2.9 says, It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Your salvation does not include your efforts for being transformed into his image and all that. That's apart from salvation. Rewards are dependent on a believer's motivation after salvation. You have to be completely saved before you can even think about rewards. Before you think about the proper motivation to get rewards, you have to be already saved. It's for saved people. Philippians 2.12, we'll just read that. We're going to have to quit. I know it's getting there. I'm just trying to set the stage a little bit. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. And notice, <clears throat> Paul is pushing past this phony behavior people might have. Uh, when I'm there, oh, people want to act all, you know, spiritual and use all the words, thank you God and praise the Lord and all that. When I'm gone, they revert back to their old self, whoever they are. Yeah, they say what they want, they behave any way they want, they disobey, whatever they want to do. Paul says, now look. He says, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. You are not obedient to me. Your obedience is to God. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, the fear and trembling means that you approach it in a deeply reverent way. It's not frivolous. I was talking earlier in the Q&A. And this is what I was thinking of. Fear and trembling. The person who says, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. What, you know, I mean, I'm already saved, so what, what's the difference? Well, I don't have to worry about it. Well, one, it's an eternal thing that we're talking about. We're talking about opportunity miss, eternally speaking. Not temporally, eternally. You don't get it, then you just, you don't get it. And then this too, the way you approach it. Remember we talked about the strict training that you have to go into. <clears throat> here it is over here, talking about working out your salvation. Not working for your salvation. What you do after salvation is just as important as what you did to make the decision to get salvation. God has a plan, and he has a calling for you. So then verse 13, for it is God who works in you to 
to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. There it is in a nutshell in this verse. Wonderfully put. God is the one who works. Remember, it is not we are not the fruit. God works in you. You are the branch to act, to fulfill his good purpose. That's the good fruit that he's looking for. It's not your good fruit. God is working through you, as we said in the thought of the week. It's important to note. It's after salvation. Don't get it mixed up. It's important that you don't. Notice the two verses, Ephesians 2.8 and Philippians 2.12 and 13. 2.8 9, I could say. Philippians 2.12 and 13. Notice the distinction there in both. Maintain the integrity of those scriptures. It's important that we see that proper motivation after salvation. Don't, don't have a frivolous attitude. What should we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, Paul said, away with the thought. Don't think of that ever. Put it away, that thought. It's wrong thinking. Not just are we, is it wrong, but we're incensed by the thought of that. That's why you work out your salvation, because you are going to one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there's opportunities that were afforded you here. We're going to have to talk more about it next week. We'll get, we'll get into the, I know we're just broaching it here, but I think there's a lot of attitude setting that we want to do before we just go through the text. Let's take our time with it. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We're glad we had this opportunity as we realize the awesome responsibility that is on our shoulders as those who are the called from eternity past. And we're here now. And our lives have tremendous value. And the calling is important. How we respond matters. We thank you for everyone who is listening here today. And we pray that our experience will match what pleases you. All this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.